This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit subscribe, share this episode with your team, and let's join Pastor Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead in the middle. to season four of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Andrew Shaw. I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. I'm so glad you've joined us. We have an episode today that we know is going to relate to you in your personal leadership in a significant way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about and touching on one of the core tenets of Leading Second, and that is that we inspire uncommon attitude. Before we jump into the interview, we had a question come in from a listener. We have people reach out to us through Instagram and Facebook, and we want to encourage you to do the same. Brandon took some time to talk with them. So let's take a moment for this question. I'm here with Seth Nolan uh, from Phoenix, Arizona. Say what's up, everybody, Seth. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, Really grateful for the opportunity to be here. Hey, thanks for being on here with us today and glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do at your church. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I have been location pastoring at the Rock Church in Phoenix, Arizona for four years now. I absolutely love what we get to do. Yeah, you guys have a great church. We love your pastors, love, love some of the team there. Love having you a part of the Leading Second family. Uh, you had a great question for us today I thought we would tackle. Uh, why don't you throw that out? What is one mistake you would encourage second chair leaders to avoid in their leadership? Yeah, one mistake. Um, I mean, I made 100, so you know, you know, kind of tough to pick one. Um, maybe give me some context for your question. I guess what, what led you to ask or why, why was that on your mind? Yeah. Uh, you know, as I was thinking through this, um, I know that there are a lot of mistakes that I myself have made just in the short four year period of being in the role that I'm in, in our church. Uh, but I was, I was thinking that I know there are so many who are in different lanes of second tier leadership that find themselves either, you know, running into walls the hard way, right. Making mistakes or, or, you know, are trying to find their their rhythm and maybe just need some wise counsel on how to navigate through what they're going through. I'll tell you where my mind was going with this, Seth, when I got your question. Um, and that is this. If I could go back, I think, and do one thing over again. I think that I would prepare better in my 20s than I did. And I've said some version of this on the podcast before, but I don't assume everybody listens to every episode. Maybe some people do. But here, here's the point. I often see our ministries, all of us, those of us in the second chair, I often see our 30s as being some of the most strategic years of our ministries. I mean, it seems to me that people in ministry, if they're going to make a big move, it often happens in that decade. I mean, even Jesus himself began ministry when he was 30. Myself 
Um, I made one of the biggest moves we've ever made in ministry 10 years ago next month, actually, and stepped out to serve churches outside of my own uh, when I was 30. It just just so happened that was the the time. I, I feel like it's a strategic time, but but here's the point of why I wanted to go on this. I see too many young leaders and second chair leaders discontent with their call in their 20s. I think somewhere along the way, we bought into the idea that like, we need to be hitting a grand slam, you know, when we're like 24 years old or we're not living for God and we're not, you know, we're not fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. And actually, sadly, tragically, I feel like I even see too many young leaders living with high levels of anxiety and depression, ultimately discontent in their calling simply because they they bought into this idea that didn't originate with God. It originated somewhere out of someone else's life and story on social media that they're supposed to be somewhere that they're not. And I think if you live discontent in your calling rather than focused on your calling, I think you fail to make investments for your future. So quite frankly, like when I arrived at the point where God asked us to do something um, I wish I would have arrived in that season having had saved more money, you know, having been stronger physically, having, um, I don't know, just like a, a better sense of, of, of preparation. And, you know, this is the leading second podcast. And I believe that many of us, if not all of us are called to hold up the urns of our pastors and maybe what we'll do the rest of our lives, you know, will be to lead in the second chair. And I, always just pray that we can give dignity to that space that it deserves. But, you know, I, I believe that God can use you tremendously in your thirties. In fact, I'm 40 right now. And I actually am even starting to feel like this next decade is going to be even more significant than the previous one. And I just think we fail to prepare if we're discontent in our call. And if I would go back and were to go back, I think that's one thing I would do differently is I would, I would, navigate those earlier years of ministry um, with a different sense of preparation for the future. How's that for you today, Seth? Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I know not only does it help me in the seat that I sit in, I know it'll help so many others. Today's episode is the close of a series we've been in that's called Healthy Hustle. Throughout this series, our goal is to break down the dichotomy between hard work and rest and equip you to run at a sustainable pace in this season. For today's interview, we are excited to welcome back Noah Heron to the podcast. Noah is on the team at Neighborhood Church in the Atlanta area, as well as an author of the book Viral Jesus. Brandon sits down with Noah to talk about church hurt and keeping our joy in ministry. Let's jump into the conversation right now. Well, what's up, my friend? Good to have you back with us on the Leading Second Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Brandon. Honored to be here, man. Man, we love you. We love your voice. I love your family. And hey, why don't you give us some updates on what's going on over in your quarter of the world? Yeah, so uh, in seven weeks, we are expecting our first child, a little boy. Come on, somebody. 
obviously we are over the moon excited about it and obviously we are terrified yeah life is great right now yeah seven weeks so in eight weeks she'll be sleep deprived it'll be amazing it will be we're <laughs> we're loading up on everything espresso right now Absolutely. I can't wait to meet Noah Brandon. It's going to be so great to, to uh, <laughs> meet my namesake. <laughs> Just joking, man. Strong man. name. That's uh, a strong name. Isn't it good though, right? It's good. <laughs> no, man. Uh, I, I love you. I've loved seeing how God has used you. Um, I mean, just over the last you know couple of years th- that I've known you, but um, just this summer, I really feel like... Um, you got to get out to a lot of places and really, really be a light, um, in just a really, really important season. Uh, what, what you've been up to this summer? Yeah. Well, a big part of that was me saying, Hey, we're about to have this kid and begging my wife to let me get in as, as many trips as possible right. before uh, right. the sun gets here. But oh, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, I, I've spent a lot of time with youth and, uh, next gen, followers of Jesus and kind of the message that has been on my heart throughout the summer is, um, man, like we, we live in a dark world, but darkness is, is not just our, uh, opposition. Mm. It's literally our greatest opportunity as followers of That's Jesus. Right. And so kind of stirring up the anthills, so to speak, trying to get students to, um, own their faith, share their faith, spread their faith. Man, if there's ever been a time that people need Jesus, it's right now. And so that's kind of been the message we've been carrying this summer. Got to be a part of youth camps and sleep in bunk beds all the way to, <laughs> you know, being a part of adult conferences. I call them adult conferences. That's when you know you're still like, Oh, the yeah. youth guy, you know, right. like I speak at an adult conference. I'm like, man, it's such an honor to be at this adult conference. Um, <laughs> Brother, I have, I haven't seen ever a bunk bed on a ministry trip. So if you're sleeping in bunk beds, like, yeah, we're, we, you're, you're, you're in the flow. In one bunk bed. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Hey, what, as you look into the faces of this generation of Gen Z, I guess, you know, coming up young people in church right now, um, what are you seeing? Where's your faith at? Uh, man, my faith is so encouraged. Um, I, I really, it's been, I think it's been more impactful on me than it has been on them to see so many young people who when they say yes to the call of God on their life, like it is, it's not fair, honestly. Like I wish that I had said yes when I was a high schooler because the level of influence that they have at their age, like if you or I were to accept Jesus at this stage of our life, like people would notice that, like our friends would notice that, they would feel that, our family would. But it's different when a 16 year old is all out for Jesus. Like, like right. their lost, their lost mom feels that in a way that can't be felt at another age, you know, they're, they're lost grandparents. And so, uh, we've just got to see the stories of God's goodness in so many different 16, 17, 14 year olds who are just on fire for Jesus and the way it's affecting their families and their friends. And, um, it's fired us up, man. It really has. Well, I love how God is using you. I love how God's raising you up specifically for this generation. I always feel a touch old talking to you because I think you're equal distance from me as from my 10 year old daughter. So, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a mind trip to think that I'm only at adult church now, but you know, Hey, 
uh, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. I do, I, I do, I do come from those ranks somewhere back in the day. So, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Hey, um, I'd love to hear starting off today. I'd love to hear just what's big on your heart for leaders right now. Um, because I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're back with these episodes for the fall. Um, I don't know where I expected to be this fall. Um, and I'm, I'm sick of talking about COVID, so we're not going to talk about that. But um, all of that aside, we're all very aware that things have shifted and changed. And I think leaders are starting to come to this awareness that we are in a culture that is darkening, you know, and we, we are, um, we are in a new day and it ain't going anywhere. Uh, this, this, this is it now for us. And I'm actually really excited personally at the, at the potential and possibility of this season. Um, but it's unique and it's different. So I'm, I'm really curious as to what's big on your heart right now for leaders as we prepare to kind of navigate, navigate through this season. Yeah, man. Um, you know, something that has been in my mind the last year and a half, like it seems like every month the world, the situations we're walking through as a country and just as humanity, they've gotten worse. And right. I found myself repeatedly being like, it'll get better next month. Exactly. Like, like it, yeah. it'll get better next month. The phrase that I don't know if it was Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was me eating too many uh, lucky charms for the past year and a half. But it, the <laughs> phrase that's been on my mind is um, it's not going to get easier. I've got to get better. Oh, come on, somebody. That's so good if we keep buying into the fact that like, it's going to get easier one day, I don't think we as leaders ever get better. Mm. And so I've really been taking a hard look at the insecurities in my life, the areas of weakness as a leader, those things, because, um, I think it's Craig Rochelle. He says that the greatest, uh, the sign of a leader, the greatest sign of a leader, sorry, is when you have a bunch of great leaders who are willing to follow you but there aren't many great leaders who will be willing to follow a leader who hasn't first dealt with their own insecurity, their own shortcuts, right. those things. And so that's kind of where I'm at. And a part of that for me personally is inviting and welcoming coaching into my life. Um, mm. hard coaching, coaching that I'm giving these coaches, these mentors access into not just the wins, but the failures and saying, please help me figure out how to do this better. Mm -hmm. um, I was sharing with you, I, I came across the story of uh, Reggie Wayne, a pro football player, retired fo pro football player for the Indianapolis Colts. And um, man, this guy just had like the craziest practice and spring training routines ever. Like he would stay after practice, he would get there early, he would do all the drills. And there was a rookie that was interviewed about Reggie Wayne the year after they, the Colts won the Super Bowl, And they said, Hey man, like, what is it about Reggie Wayne that makes him great? And he immediately said, it's the way that he lets the coaches coach him. Um, from mm. the first day of training camp, he says, Hey coach, coach me like a rookie coach me hard, coach me like you would, if this was my first day on the team. And that was really inspiring. It kind of got my, my, uh, my juices flowing. I was like, man, I want to be like Reggie it's Wayne. If Reggie Wayne wants coaching. I want coaching, but when coaching actually comes, it's a little bit more difficult to be excited about, oh, yeah. but it's something that, um, that I'm committed to. It's something that I want to stay committed to. I, I want to be coached. I want to be better. 
it's not getting easier. So I've got to get better. And I think this is one of the ways to do it. What led you to the point of desiring coaching? Hmm. Um, I think a little bit of, um, me realizing I was over relying on gifting. Mm, There you go. Yeah. There was a season of my life where I was just relying on the fact that I was one of the younger communicators out there. And so, because I was young and I felt like I could communicate, um, that it gave a pass to some of the other areas of my life. And I didn't even really realize that I wasn't focusing on those areas until COVID hit and I had to stop doing ministry and I had to deal with it. That's great. (laughs) Um, And so I think that's, that's really where it started, you know, specifically areas of, um, Hey, if I'm not doing for God, I don't feel validated. Um, There are areas of my ministry where I feel like I'm, Hey, I'm, I'm really good at like rallying the troops with a microphone in my hand. I'm not as good at investing into the leaders that are underneath me. I'm not as good at, uh, discipling people as I might say that I am when I'm preaching, um, different things like that. Have you ever been in a moment where, um, cause I know I've been here mm-hmm. where you want coaching, you say you want coaching, but really what you want is validation. Oh yeah. Uh, Ever been there? Oh my goodness. Um, 100%, uh, 100%. Um, at the beginning of, of COVID, um, when everything shut down and, and I was wrestling with these thoughts, I reached out to, uh, someone who is a mentor to me. He does very similar things, but he's, he's about 15 years older than me. I said, Hey man, um, I see some areas of my life where I could really use, use help in. And I would love your advice on, um, can you just be honest with me? What, what do you see right now in my life? Um, and what I was hoping that he would say was, uh, I was hoping he would affirm what I was doing and maybe give me like a little bit of a nugget of something to work on. (laughs) Um, he bypassed all affirmation and called me out big time. Uh, he Mm. basically was like the amount of content that you post on social media and the amount of time that you're spending on social media. I don't know how you could possibly have a healthy family right now in the middle of COVID. Um, Mm. he was like, you're posting so much stuff and we've been on this, this COVID thing for a month and a half. Like, how's your wife? And I was like, I didn't tell you dang that. Dang. Yeah. Right. Do that. Um, you know, he was like, are you just posting, to try to stay relevant right now, or are you mm. actually posting because you have something to say? And I was like, yo, like, like take a step back. But, um, but I trust him. I think that's part of the coaching mm. dynamic too. It's like, it, you should want to be coached, but you should ask people that you trust to coach you. Um, not just to take it from, from anywhere, you know, there's a big difference between a coach and someone who's out to just tear you down with their words. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Bible says in, in Proverbs, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, you know, and, and you, we don't just look for coaching from anyone, I guess. And we'll, we'll maybe get there in a second. Um, but when you have a trusted voice in your life. Um, it's, and, and, the, and, and where I was going with the whole validation thing is, is cause I've been there. 
And I think I have had my own moments where I said I wanted coaching, but really I wanted validation. So then when actual coaching came, it hurts. Um, because I didn't want coaching. I wanted validation. I wanted you to approve of me, not, um, not tell me something I don't want to hear. Um, there, I, I've had seasons where it, when I truly did want coaching, it's, it's, it's life. It is, it's everything. Um, when I didn't want it and when I only wanted validation, it hurt, it stung. It became a, a stumbling block. You know, it was maybe a wound of a friend, but it was a wound, you know, and, and it hurt. In, in fact, I was telling you this earlier. I had a leader one time in my life who I'll let remain anonymous. Um, I had a leader one time in my life. I had, I had misjudged something. Um, this wasn't a moral thing. It wasn't any, you know, anything that would affect even my employment or anything. It was just, it was a lapse in judgment on schedule and taking some time off and all that years and years and years ago. And, um, this leader looked at me when they were confronting me and they said, I have never been so disappointed in someone. And I thought, okay, whoa, 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 hold, hold up for a minute. Like the staff member that looked at porn on the church computer, I am more disappointing than them or the one that stole money or, you know what? Like, like I'm, (laughs) I am the most disappointing person you've ever met, you know? And at the moment it felt like a wound, right? At, At the moment, at the moment it, 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 but I've come to realize later that I was being called higher and it was, it was probably semantics and it was, I, it was, it was someone saying you have a whole lot more in you yeah. you know, than this. And looking back now, I think I'm thankful for those moments, but I think it took me a minute. Um, I guess, have you ever been in a, a moment with coaching where it took you a minute? you know, to, to get your head back on straight after it. Oh, for sure. I, the, th- the thing about it is like, I've got those people in my life. You're, you're one of them. Um, leaders that I look up to leaders who are further along and, um, and just life. And I'm like, man, I, I want to be in the same position that they are one day. Um, and it's, it's taken time to see that the only way people get to the seat that you're in, the people, um, the seats of the people that I look up to is, is from feedback. There's no way to know if you're right. doing well, if you don't have, if you don't have feedback, like it would be, uh, it would be so ignorant of Tom Brady, you know, when he entered, we'll just stick with the NFL. Cause we're there for some reason today. Um, for Tom Brady to get drafted by the Patriots and go out like his first game and then, you know, take his lumps. There were some good things. There were some bad things, but then he does nothing Monday through Saturday to like go back and, and talk to his coaches, watch film, figure out like, what did I do good? What did I do wrong? Like if he just went from game to game, he would marginally get better at best, but chances are he would probably develop even more bad habits. He would probably buy into his own hype because there's no one to like level him out. I think it works the same way with ministry leaders. It's like, if, if we have no setup for feedback loops, if there's, if there's nobody who's been given access into our life, how do we expect to be better preachers? How do we be, how do we expect to be better leaders of teams? How do we, how do we expect right. to be better husbands, all, all of these things? And so 
Um, I think one of the times to answer, answer your question was early on in my ministry, um, we started this college ministry and it was growing and, um, it was, it was really fun and it was really easy. And, uh, it was the first time in my life I had a coach. It was my, my lead pastor, uh, who his name's Mark Williams, amazing man. Um, and I got to serve under him for like five years, but the first year we're growing, we're, you know, we're doing a weekly service and we're doing all of these crazy events. And it was this unsustainable pace. Um, and he brought me into his office and he was like, Hey, Noah, like the ministry is awesome, but you have to stop doing it the way you're doing. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you have no idea, you know, and it really kind of offended me. I let it offend me a little bit. It was kind of a pride blow. It was like, how do you, you know, this college ministry is doing awesome. Like everything that we wanted is happening. Like, why would you say this? And it wasn't until about six months later when I was burnt out and Mm -hmm. I was, you know, trying to figure out a way to keep the ball moving. Um, and I realized we were in a really unhealthy place. And that was the moment that I realized like, Hey, even if I don't agree with the coaching, even if I can't see it in the moment, I should probably put a little more weight into the coaching that's coming. And so that would be the first time, but there's been tons of times throughout my ministry life that that's happened. Um, and I'm very thankful now. I've heard coaching, um, referred to like using the maps app on your phone to get through traffic, you know, like you, like using Waze or something that when you're in traffic, all you can see is, is the red lights of the car in front of you. You know, you, you really, you don't know where the accident is. I know this is shocking to anyone who's Gen Z, like, but we, some of us did drive before we actually knew how long we were going to be in traffic. Like, I know that's like a foreign concept to you, but you know, we would set it on a road trip and not actually know what time we were going to get there, you know? Um, but you know, this, your phone is grabbing data from a higher source, you know, from a satellite, from others reporting, you know, and, and it can see what you can't see. And ways sometimes will tell you, take this exit, you know, or, and, and you're thinking, what in God's name, why, why would I take the exit here? Why, what, why would I make this move? It makes more sense to stay on this road, but it can see something that's going to try to get you around impending crash or impending backup, but you're going to have to trust a higher perspective. And I've kind of heard coaching kind of referred to like that, that is going to require some trust. And, and, and sadly in our, in our day of rising self-authority in our day of, of, of tearing down every institution we can think of and tearing down every place of authority we can think of. Sadly, we often don't put trust into people, the right people, godly people, of course, we don't put trust into the people that can actually lead us because it's so trendy right now to tear it all down. And, and, and you do you, you know, when in reality, well, that's great, but I can't see through the traffic, but that person can. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the others. Like, I mean, I feel like I've, I've spent the first part of our conversation talking about how coaching can really help you veer away from the negative things. But what you're saying, which is so true and so good is that coaching can actually like call you to that higher standard and get you to a place that you couldn't have gotten on your own. I've found, especially with younger Absolutely. leaders, it's amazing how many younger leaders don't have someone who believes in them. Um, and it's really hard to push yourself to a vision that you haven't actually bought into for yourself. Um, and what I love about 
what you just said is like, I, I'm even thinking of some of the people in my life who they, co- they coached me and they helped me avoid the potholes, but they also yeah. pointed out the freeway, you know, mm-hmm. and, that I wouldn't have seen and I wouldn't have believed was possible. And I would have never tried to attempt had I not gotten the encouragement from somebody who I trusted, who I knew had my best interest at heart. That's and so, so that, I think it's a, it's a win-win. I want to talk about one more thing while we're on this topic. And that is people can dangerously head. Uh, if they don't like the coaching they receive, someone calls them higher, um, get a little butt hurt in it. Sorry. I'm just going to say it as I feel it. But I, I feel like we need to talk for a minute about church hurt because I feel like church hurt is really real right now. It's a real, well, it's a real conversation piece, first of all. And I won't discount that there is very real and legitimate church hurt. I have not been planted in the same church for almost four decades because I've never been hurt, you know, like church hurt. There are moments and when it happens, it is heavy. It is real. And sometimes it can even precipitate a, a real genuine move or change or transition. I get it. Totally understand those moments. But would you agree with this, that there's a lot of moments that are being called church hurt out there that are not church hurt. It, 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 it's simply coaching. <laughs> it's simply someone calling you higher. It's coaching and it's discipleship. It's like, it's like, yes. these are, these are what we're called to be a part of. I, I also, I, I really love the word discipleship, even though that's like an archaic word, it seems like. No, use it, use it. Even as leaders and on leadership podcasts and in leadership books that are written or talked about from a Christian perspective, I feel like we should we should use the word discipleship more because in the church, and I'm not tearing the church down, I am a local church guy, but I think in the church, what we've seen the past 10, 20 years is there's been way too many leaders who have never been disciples or who aren't being discipled. And so it leads to all of these different things, right. church hurt being one of them. And um, the, the reality is, is it, it's, it's not church hurt. It's like, like you said, it's, it's someone trying to hold you accountable, call you to a higher standard, say, hey, you're not living up to the call of God on your life. You're not living up to God's standards. Like let's, let's get there. That's not hurt. That's love. Like, like I don't have a son yet, but I'm not, I'm not going to go easy on my son when he needs to be disciplined, not because I hate him, but because I love him. I want him to be better. And it's the same way with discipleship and coaching. People want better for us. That's why they're doing it. I need a video of your son in the aisle screaming over lucky charms. And, and I, I, I I need that video at some point in the future. (laughs) Oh, you'll probably get it. He's, if he's anything like me, he'll have uh, quite a craving for cereal at 10 o'clock at night. That's awesome. Hey, uh, before I let you go, I guess where, um, you, you mentioned to me when we started talking today, um, you know, that something really big in you is enjoying God. And I, man, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like, I feel like joy um, is missing in a lot of our leadership circles and our leadership conversations, a lot of heaviness out there and a lot of things we should be dealing with and have to be dealing with right now. So I get it. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're called to worship Jesus. 
and we're called to to love him and be loved by him and enjoy him. Would you just speak to that for a minute? Maybe we've talked about church or maybe send us out on, on a joy note here. Yeah. Um, as to the, the, just the posture of a leader in this season that can sustain them. Yeah. I, I, uh, one of the things I was coached on going back to that was, was that, um, I am really excited and good at working for God. But what COVID showed me and quarantine showed me mm-hmm. is that I was not as excited to simply be with God. And I think um, the sign of a, of a really spiritually mature person is someone who loves the presence of God more than they do working for God. Um, and so throughout this past year and a half, I've been on a journey of like, I don't, I don't want my goal to be for Noah Heron to be God's employee of the month this month. <laughs> I want my goal to be that I look forward to, and I genuinely love my time with God more than, than anything that I do for him. Um, and what I found is that it, it is like, I'm walking at this like different pace of life. Uh, and it's been through really small things. And I could talk about Sabbath. I could talk about one minute pauses that I've implemented, um, in between things. Like when we hang up from this podcast, I'm going to take one minute and just spend a minute in the presence of God. It's just like a new rhythm in my life. But, um, I, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is that I experience the peace of God so much more when I'm walking at the pace of God. (laughs) Oh, so good. And it's, it's, um, it's been so tangible in my life. And I, I really think that, um, the people that I look up to the most, I've finally been able to put a, a, a finger on it. It's not that they're the most talented or, or the most well known or any of those things. It's that when I'm around them, my first thought is they've been with Jesus. Mm. Like they have been with Jesus and they loved it. Like that's, and that's what I'm desiring. It's like, I, I want to wake up and genuinely like hunger for, for more of Jesus, not more of like the things that I feel like I need to do for Jesus. And so, um, I think it makes for, for better leaders. I think it makes for better husbands. Um, I think it makes for a better life. I think it makes for a more enjoyable life. I'm reminded of Matthew 11, 28, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And, um, the more time you spend with Jesus, the lighter that burden gets. I'm 100% a testament of that. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm stressed out, I'm tired. I'm trying to be a better leader. It's like, you will be a better leader the more you enjoy God. And so let that be the, the priority. I wonder if really there's anything more important than that. I mean, we, how many of our churches have the, the phrase slapped in the lobby somewhere, you know, love God, love people, serve the world or, you know, something, something like that. Right. And, um, and it's great. It's, it's correct. You know, it's, it's, it's accurate. Um, but I actually feel like the demands we put on ourselves sometimes are serve the world, love people, love God is is really how we view it. And we, we want to reach the world and we want to, um, we want to do more for God. And so, so reach the world kind of becomes number one. And I, I, I I feel like, and I've been there, I feel like sometimes we've inverted it. 
And I think maybe for some of us, what this season brought us back to is we're, we're back at the beginning right now, loving God first. And, and maybe, maybe loving God is enough. Yeah. You know, maybe just maybe that actually is, is the thing that's the most sustaining of all. And what if we laid down some way to reach the world today, just in order to love God? I, I want, I wonder how that would reprioritize our life and bring healing to us. Wow, man. So good. It would change everything. I think so. I, I think so. Hey, I love you a lot. You're, I love your voice. I love what God's doing in your life. I love your growing family. Sign us up as fans or stalkers or whatever, whatever category we need to fall into. But um, so thankful for you, Noah, and and um, glad you are you are uh, speaking out and glad you're equipping a generation that desperately needs Jesus. Uh, get rested up for the next few weeks because uh, you're going to need it in about seven weeks, I think. Oh, man, it's always an honor, man. As far as I'm concerned, uh, my son will be referring to you as Uncle Brandon. So uh, just get ready. Get ready for that. Get ready for the Christmas wonderful, cards. But wonderful. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much, Noah. information, check out our website at leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.